Good morning, 11.30. It's great to be here this morning. I'm part of the team here at the 9.30 and 11.30 here at Brompton Road, and it's really great to be here during the summer holidays. Um, we're starting a new sermon series over August, looking at the different habits that we can adopt to hear from God. And over the summer weeks, uh, summer halls at HTV, we like to take a break, the connect groups have a break, children are off school, and generally we step back, gain a clearer perspective, and hopefully work on our inner lives. The summer, this summer holiday can be the perfect opportunity with its slower pace to hear from God and become more like Jesus. And one of the habits we will be looking at to develop is the habit of humility. And that's what I'd like to talk to you about today. We are going to look at Psalm 86, which is a Psalm of David. And it's a prayer that David offers up to God. And from the first verse, we can hear David's words as he positions himself before God in humility. There are Bibles dotted around the room behind chairs, which you can uh, open to page 596, where you will find Psalm 86. And of course, the words will come up on the screen as I read. Now, Psalm 86 is long, so brace yourselves. Hear me, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Guard my life, for I am faithful to you. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God, have mercy on me, Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, Lord, for I put my trust in you. You, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call to you. Hear my prayer, Lord, listen to my cry for mercy. When I am in distress, I call to you because you answer me. Among the gods, there is none like you, Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and bow down before you. They will bring glory to your name, for you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. For great is your love toward me. You have delivered me from the depths, from the realm of the dead. Arrogant foes are attacking me, O God. Ruthless people are trying to kill me. They have no regard for you. But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Turn to me and have mercy on me. Show your strength in behalf of your servant. Save me because I serve you, just as my mother did. Give me a sign of your goodness, that my enemies may see it and be put to shame. For you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Powerful words of prayer from David. And David starts this prayer by admitting that he is poor and needy. David is a very, it was a very rich king. And I think it's fair to say that he didn't need much in way of physical things and financial things. But we see him describe himself as poor and needy. David, I think, is talking about his inner self, his real self. And he knows how much he needs God in spirit and in truth. David is approaching God from a lowly place, a place of humility. And in the Bible, we hear God describe David as a man after his own heart. 
So this morning, I would like to offer us three postures that we can adopt from David's prayer to develop the habit of humility. And the first posture I'd like to highlight from David's prayer is the posture of adoration. We see in verses 8 to 10, David say, Among the gods, there is none like you, Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name, for you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. And C.S. Lewis defines humility like this. It's quite a popular definition and one of my favorites. It says, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. This is exactly what David is doing here. He's shifting his attention off himself and putting it on God. He's remembering what God has done for him and how big God is. Now, I, when I was young, growing up in Nigeria, I had two nicknames that people called me. Well, to be fair, I had lots, but I'll share two today. One of them was uh, from my language, which is Yoruba, and the nickname was Okbelenge. Now, if you're Nigerian and you understand Yoruba, you know that this is a word to describe a small, scrawny person who's really tiny. And um, in case you didn't understand Yoruba, they gave me another name that you would understand as soon as you heard it. It was Obey the Wind. And this meant that I was so small that when I got outside, the wind would blow me anywhere that it liked. So with those two names in mind, I began to feel very poor and needy indeed. And I started to call out in my heart for a savior from a young age. And so I came across this guy and decided maybe he could be my savior. Is it that? Yes, Spider-Man, come on. Now, I began to imagine him swooping from web to web, fighting all the bullies and all the big situations in my life. But very soon, I started to think, I'm not sure I want a masked hero to be my savior. You know, I didn't think he was big enough, really, to help me with my problems. And so I turned to this guy. Yeah, the Incredible Hulk. Now, he is larger than life, but his weapon is anger. And I was a very troublesome child. So I thought that very soon I'd be the target of his anger. So I swiftly moved on. And um, in my, I was around eight at the time that I was dreaming and imagining all these things. And one night, with still looking for a savior, I went to bed. And in the middle of the night, I woke up and I saw a torchlight in the distance in my house, in the living room. And I wondered, my dad would normally be the person wielding a torch, and I wondered why he was doing that, because I could hear the buzz of the freezer, so that meant there was electricity. Um, but I thought, whatever the case, I want a hug from my dad, so I got out of bed and walked towards the light, but then something stopped me, and so I changed my mind and went back to bed. Now, when I woke up, I discovered we had been robbed, and you know, those would have been armed robbers, so it occurred to me that that light that I was being drawn to was not my father's torch. And I realized that someone bigger and greater than any superhero I could be thinking about was looking out for me that night. It wasn't a masked hero, and it was a God that loved me and wasn't angry with me. But he was one who loved me and had forgiven me and had sent his son to die for me. And I wanted to get to know this God. These memories keep me humble. And I think these are the kind of things that David is remembering when he bows down before God and offers God his adoration. 
He is praising the God who rescued him when he was a shepherd boy. The God who saved him from the lion and the bear. The God who saved him from Saul and Goliath and various other enemies that we read about in Psalm 86. The posture of adoration is integral to developing the habit of humility. It helps us take our eyes off ourselves and fix our eyes on the mighty God that has saved us from our fears and our sins. Adoration helps us to take our minds off ourselves and think of ourselves less. It helps us develop humility. We can adore God in song worship like we did this morning. When we wake up, the first thing that we do can be to adore God because we have breath in our lungs. We can adore God as we go uh, on our daily, uh, everything we do daily in our offices. And then last thing at night, when you realize that God has brought you to the end of yet another day, we can offer up words of adoration to God. And I wonder if today there are things on your minds, even your strengths, your accomplishments, your weaknesses, your difficulties. I wonder if today you can lift them up to God and remember how big, how much bigger, greater and better God is. Perhaps we can go even a step further after remembering how God, great God is to getting to know new things about this God that we serve. And that brings me to the next posture that we can develop. It's the posture of curiosity. If humility is thinking of yourself less, then one of the best ways we can do that is to get to know someone else. And David chooses to get to know God and his ways. He says in verse 11, Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. The Bible is the word of God. And it tells us all about God, our Heavenly Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. It tells us all about how Jesus redeems the entire world and calls us to reflect this good news by seeing God shape every aspect of our lives. Now, when I was about 16, my older sister and I traveled from Nigeria to London. And on the way back from London to Nigeria, we were offered first-class tickets as an upgrade. Now, the lady said to us, unfortunately, you won't be able to sit together. We were like, that's not a problem. We've never experienced a first-class ticket, so we were ready to do this. And so we sat apart and we were ready to go. Now, sadly, I'd had a cold. I caught a cold in London, as you do, and I'd taken some uh, medicine, and the medicine had made me sleepy. So I enjoyed a fantastic night's sleep on the plane. When my parents came to pick us up, they, we told them that we were upgraded and they wanted to hear about it. So as we drove back home in the car, um, my dad asked about it and I said, well, you know, there was more room, more leg room, and the seats were bigger. But apart from that, there was nothing big about it. My sister said, ah. She was very shocked. She said, are you joking? And then she launched into a full-on story about all that she enjoyed. This is what she said. The steward had brought her a hot face towel every so often. She brought her drinks of any flavor she desired. She particularly liked the Chapman, which was the dream drink of any Nigerian child. It's a sugary mix of citrus and all sorts of deliciousness. And my mom normally made us dilute it. And here was my sister drinking Chapman undiluted. <laughs> 
So I sat there in horror. I couldn't believe it, but she went on. I had beef stew and special fried rice. They gave me chocolates to my heart content and donuts and biscuits. And my dad looked at me through the rearview mirror and asked, what happened? <laughs> I couldn't even speak. I had slept right through the whole thing. I missed it all. I got no hot towel, no undiluted Chapman, no fried rice, and definitely no donuts or biscuits. Maybe if I had been sitting with my sister, she would have woken me up so that I too could enjoy these treats. But I had been on my own, sitting maybe with a stranger who didn't care if I got any food. David asks God to teach him his ways. He asks for an undivided heart, one that isn't asleep, one that isn't distracted, but one that is fixed on learning and reading about God and his ways. He knows he would need God's help and he doesn't think he can do it on his own. I know for me, there are many distractions in my life that keep me from an undivided heart. But the Bible holds truths that we can learn that will help us to find out about God and how we can live the abundant life. Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit is in us for that very reason. John 16, 13 says this, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. When we adopt the posture of curiosity about God, we get to know the God that loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us so that our sins can be forgiven and we can have an intimate relationship with him. God wants to be known by you and he has given you his Holy Spirit to guide you into all truth. He has a plethora of blessings for you laid out in scripture and he doesn't want you to miss a thing. That's why we're inviting you to summer nights every Tuesday in August. And we ask you to join a connect group so that we can sit down together and get to know this God deeper. And we also host Alpha, where you can get out of your comfortable seats and wake somebody up so that they too don't miss what God has for them. You can see I'm finding it hard, forgiving my sister. So come at the end of the service, come to the welcome wall and ask about how to join a connect group and possibly invite somebody for Alpha, which starts on October 4th. When we get curious about God by sitting with him and getting to know him, we think of ourselves less and we begin to see the fruit of humility appear in our lives. But all this can sound daunting. How can we take our minds off ourselves in a world that promotes the self as king? But have no fear, there is good news. Our king is trustworthy. The third posture we want to adopt to develop humility is the posture of trust. David offers these words to God in prayer in verses two to four. Guard my life for I am faithful to you. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God, have mercy on me, Lord. For I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, Lord, for I put my trust in you. At the beginning of this year, I was not even halfway through training to be a priest at St. Melitus. And if I'm honest, I was speaking in faith and putting all my trust in God because I believed he called me. But I was worried about essay deadlines, personal deadlines, my daughter's GCSEs, work-life balance, being able to share God's word faithfully, 
and many other things that I was getting worked up about. I felt like David. My prayers probably sounded like his, you know, poor and needy in the beginning, full of adoration and praise in the middle, and back to being desperate again at the end. And this was how I felt as I thought of the year that lay ahead of me. But here we are now, it's the summer holidays, I finished year two, and I'm going to my final year in September. Now, thank you, God. Essays have been submitted, my daughter's GCSEs and prom are sorted, and there have been lots of lessons learned, but many testimonies about the bigness and greatness of our God. The posture of trust helps us to put all our eggs in God's basket. It helps us take our crowns of strength and lean on God. David knows that it is only God that can give him an undivided heart. It's only God that can rescue him from arrogant enemies and give him strength for each new day. This posture of trust shifts our focus from ourselves and onto God. It is integral to developing humility. And now I can join David as he ends this psalm and says, For you, O Lord, have helped me and comforted me. It helps us come full circle when we see all that God has done for us and we return all the praise and adoration to him. In a world that wants to take all the praise and adoration for itself, let us humble ourselves and return all the glory and praise to our Father in heaven. When the temptation to shine the light on ourselves arises, let's humble ourselves and get curious about God instead. When we want to trust in our own strengths and build our own kingdoms, let's humble ourselves and trust in the Lord instead. Micah 6, 8 puts it so well. It asks a question and provides the answer. What does the Lord require of you? And it gives the answer to act justly and love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Come, Holy Spirit, and help us do this in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder if we can... Uh,